Hello and thank you for tuning in to the Evening Standard of the D1T in 5 for Friday, May 26. Let's jump into today's top stories. Iowa AD Gary Barda announces his retirement, effective August 1st and says, this decision didn't come suddenly, nor did it come without significant thought, discussion, and prayer. As I've reflected, I came to the conclusion there's never a good time to step away, because there's always more to be done. That said, I'm confident this is the right time for me and for my family. An interim AD will be announced next week. The athletic Scott Docterman notes Hawkeye's deputy AD-slash-chief operating officer Beth Gitz will likely be named Barda's successor, first on an interim basis and eventually as the next permanent AD. Docterman notes, we will have a better handle on potential candidates besides Beth Gitz next week. Here are several people with State of Iowa ties, Tulane's Troy Dannon, Kansas State's Gene Taylor, Northern Iowa's David Harris. But that's pure speculation. Just names I typed. Beth is the front-runner. Also on the AD front, Pacific will work with Turnkey's ERG to find its next leader. Topics discussed at this week's Big East Spring meetings included NCAA governance, NIL, transfers, upcoming national TV coverage plans, DEI, sports betting, several hoops matters and more. Commissioner Val Ackerman said, This year's meetings allowed us to reflect on the successes of the past decade, take stock of fast-moving currents in the college sports world, and identify priorities as we plan for next year and beyond. We believe our basketball primacy, broad national television reach, the stature of our coaches, the appeal of our conference tournaments, our unified strategic outlook and overall brand strength create tailwinds for us as we look to serve our stakeholders and secure our future stability and standing. Our future is very bright. New Big South Commissioner Sherika Montgomery tells SBJ that being the league's first black commissioner comes with the responsibility of paying it forward. Montgomery said, being able to bring my full self to the table in terms of being a woman of color and having the opportunity to obtain this great opportunity, I think it says a lot about administrators and leadership within our conference in terms of me being appointed as a woman of color to this position. But to say the least it means the absolute world because I know that while there are celebrations and moments to sit back and appreciate being the first or being one of the few, but the real celebration is when you are not the last. USA Today's Steve Berkowitz reports Wake Forest paid former men's basketball head coach Danny Manning a nearly $14.7 million buyout during the 2021 calendar year. In addition, Wake Forest likely had to pay at least $2.6 million more in federal excise tax that is connected to pay of highly compensated employees of nonprofit organizations and under certain circumstances, their buyouts. Berkowitz also notes it's unclear why Manning was paid the entire buyout in 2021, and Wake Forest says that, as a matter of university personnel policy, we will not share further details beyond the comments provided in the return. Austin PAD Gerald Harrison says the governors will participate in the A-Sun Baseball Championships last round of pool play tonight despite its outcome having no impact on the tournament. Harrison writes, I recognize that from a travel and student-athlete welfare standpoint, it may have been better to depart. However, we will abide by the policy and tournament format for this season and participate in tonight's game. Playing, Harrison also notes, ensures no one will receive a competitive advantage, as Jacksonville State would have essentially received a bye before starting the next round. In the future, we will continue to advocate for adjusting the game format to ensure no other team has to play under these circumstances. The Mercury News' John Wilner believes the Pac-12 should follow the ACC's lead in adopting an unequal revenue distribution model that rewards postseason performance. 
Wilner writes, with Texas and Oklahoma headed to the SEC and USC and UCLA bound for the Big Ten, there are just five football programs with above-average media value that aren't bound to either of the behemoths, namely Notre Dame, Clemson, Florida State, Washington and Oregon. Acknowledging that the unequal share model is a fraught approach, Wilner submits that implementing a model based on postseason success serves three purposes, maintaining an all-for-one ethos among presidents and ADs, pacifying the heavyweight programs and provides them with access to the resources needed to compete for titles, and incentivizing others to invest in revenue producers. Wilner believes those who advance to the college football playoff should keep 50% of the resultant revenue. If Oregon simply qualifies by winning the conference, that's $10.4 million sent straight to Eugene, half of $20.8 million. And if Utah bludgeons its way to the semifinals, that's $57.3 million earmarked for Utah. The same structure could be used for divvying up NCAA men's basketball tournament units. Regardless of the structure, Wilner suggests every conference will adopt an eat-what-you-kill structure eventually. Ohio State isn't going to share its playoff cash equally with Rutgers forever. Thank you for tuning in to the Evening Standard of the D1T in 5 for Friday, May 26th. We'll see you back here bright and early tomorrow morning.